Welcome to the Software People Stories. I'm Shiv. I'm Chitra. And I'm Gayatri. We bring you interesting untold stories of people associated with the creation or consumption of software-based solutions. You'll hear stories of what worked and sometimes what didn't. You'll also hear very personal experiences and insights that would trigger your thoughts and inspire you to do even greater things. Today, we are talking with Tyagarajan Ramakshman, machine learning engineer working in Texas, US. We talk about his passion in machine learning and how it all got started. He also talks about how anyone who's getting started in technology can skill themselves as well as software engineers who can reskill themselves in this exploding arena. We also take a business use case where ML has played a big role in the financial space. Yahoo is a millennial and talks about taking one step at a time and the valuable inputs he continues to receive from senior within and outside the organization to further his learning and product acumen. Listen on. Hello, Tiago. Thank you for being a guest in Software People Stories. A warm welcome to you. You are the millennial in our uh, series of uh, guests. So happy to have you. Thank you. Thanks a lot for the invite, Gayatri. It's a pleasure. I'm an active listener of your Software Stories podcast as well. And thanks for having me as one of your guests. So it is uh, always exciting to talk to the uh, next generation or the previous generation of software technologies. I will be very clear saying that, yeah, you are a few generations away from me. And I'm very <laughs> interested to hear what got you started in software okay my first passion towards computers and uh, technology basically started off in early 2000s um, when uh, my parents got the first pc to our household i was primarily interested in the gaming part but my elder sister she was more inclined towards using the pc for uh, solving some of her academic projects and also doing a bit of programming and uh, problem solving sessions so that's the time frame when I initially started uh, getting hang of uh, computers and uh, technology as a phase. So I started off primarily gaming it on the PCs I got, but later on with, with influences my sister had, that's when I started using uh, computers extensively for problem solving and programming. So, so that's how I got hooked onto the all software right, right. world. <laughs> all right. So you are in the, uh, you are in Teradata now. What is your role? Uh, can you, some of us don't even understand many of the uh, nuances of data scientists, data analysts, data engineer, lots of such roles have been created. So can you mm -hmm. show some light on that? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So thanks for asking that. What I work, I work for Teradata right now. It's a data science and uh, data science company where, and uh, it has a bunch of products. So the product which uh, I'm part of at Teradata is uh, called Vantage. Scope of the platform or the product is irrespective of the kind of data which the user sends to us, to our platform, we would be able to do some uh, pre-processing and uh, have the data stored so that we would be able to run some analytics on top of it and give some insights back to our customers so that they would be able to take some actionable insights on it. 
So right. the role for me for building that platform as a software engineer is basically productionalizing the platform, the machine learning platform. Because because mm-hmm. there is because if you there are a bunch of researches being done on various hidden depths which are actually uh, which actually exist while building up the machine learning platform at scale. Because it's okay. not just running some machine learning algorithms on your local machine and then give it to the customers. Because how do you expose them? So there are various hidden deaths which actually are existing. And there are uh, there is a research paper which I was working on recently and published it on IEEE Big Data Conference as well. But the thing is, there are various uh, problems which involve. So how do you give a better experience to our users? So that they are abstracted away from all the backend uh, infrastructure complexities and okay. all they have is simple APIs which they could use. So obviously there are various other problems which the users have where they might have, they might have their data on premises or on any public cloud providers. So okay. the users shouldn't observe any lag in terms of performance if they have it on one public cloud provider like AWS or another one like Azure. So how do you expect a constant reliable performance on all infrastructures at scale for yeah. the product which we do so that's where i fit in where i work on architecting some of the components as well as developing and designing stuff so my role primarily is a machine learning engineer where i work with folks on the data science community as well as the product management community so okay. that our visions are all aligned in terms of what we want to do and how it's being consumed so that we would be having a reliable platform which our users can operate at scale. Wow, that's so exciting. So you are actually marrying what a product vision needs to do and what the machines can do in terms of um, auto ML or learning on its own and the place where customer data is present. Tell me more about this uh, paper that you presented. I always thought that in IEEE, uh, mm-hmm. more pre- papers get presented from the academia and less mm-hmm. from the organizations. Mm-hmm. Is uh, AIML actually changing that completely? Yeah, I feel absolutely because it helps organizations to show their stance on the technical side as well because it's important for companies and academic institutes always to be on top of innovation because the disruptive innovation is what drives software towards the next generation of products which all our customers would use right so definitely there is a there is a, a trend which i'm observing right now even if we consider companies like google for instance they are they have invested a lot of money on uh, teams like Google AI, for instance, which is being run by Jeff Dean, who's a very active contributor on uh, various allied conferences. Even NIPS is one of the popular uh, machine learning conferences, AI and machine learning conferences, which he presents his ideas. So it's about sharing to the community overall mm-hmm. about your innovation so that they would be able to use your ideas and build on top of it for the better future, right? So it's always about building a better platform for our customers. And this drives innovation not only within an academic institute or within a Mm -hmm. particular organization, but as a whole to the community. So technology always, what I've seen so far, it grows on as a multiplicative curve where the output of one technology becomes the input of the next generation of technology. It happens a lot. 
on the wow it almost sounds like you know open sourcing of ideas right of mm-hmm. you know so that the multiplicative curve that you're talking about where mm-hmm. you give that something as an input and somebody else uh, somebody something as an output and somebody else takes that input and grows on top of it and yeah, uh, yeah. keeps continuing i think that's a phenomenal uh, way of looking at it mm-hmm. yeah absolutely and even the research work which we had started off while i was with my team we started off with having a pluggable platform where you can plug in any open source library so that uh, the user would not have to decide on what machine learning library they want to use but they can just focus on what problem they want to solve because because okay. i feel every like machine learning libraries have their own uh, pros and cons i would say some of them okay. might serve good on uh, deep learning capabilities another one on text processing so on and so forth so okay. these kinds okay. of details it would be great to abstract them out so we started off with using one open source library tensorflow was the one that we were trying to operationalize at scale initially okay that research had uh, helped us to contribute more on plugging in other machine learning libraries as well and okay. add various other nuances so that i would our platform would be or it, it's not only for our platform but i think it's it's a use case on any industry standard machine learning platforms where they are always focusing on uh, our customer needs and our uh, customer insights which they want to derive rather than on what library they want to use so okay. it will just be one thin layer of api which our customers would be exposed to for solving their business problem fantastic tiago mm-hmm. while i'm listening to the what you're saying another thought is running in my mind it says uh-huh. i'm actually ha- having a ringside view of a machine learning 101 session to say okay <laughs> the customer problem and what kind of a solutions they can deploy and how the the whole industry is moving at a breakneck speed so yeah. Yeah, to take a step back how mm-hmm. did you uh, get started in teradata is it uh, i know you did a, a, you, a ms in uh, texas right so uh, mm-hmm. how, what uh, made you move towards this particular area yeah thanks for asking that it's a, it's been a pleasant journey for me so far before going ahead to the data science community if i take a step back what i could see is my passion for data science and machine learning started off when i first attended the, the coursera session with andrew ng had offered on machine learning this was during my late undergrad timings and my undergrad also was in the information technology field in chennai uh, i was studying in the college of engineering back then and okay. then i worked in ibm for a couple of years on the on the data pre processing team as well at at that time i got exposed to andrew and this machine learning course and i was fascinated by the level of impact which machine learning could solve for the customers and for users and this was the time when coursera was, and other massively uh, available open source courses were getting mm-hmm. pretty popular Okay. So that was the time when I felt like okay it is I, I wanted to probably go to the next step and get more exposure to how technology operates on the western world. So okay. that triggered me to get to the data science community where I started off uh, by uh, applying for masters on computer science primarily specializing in the data science and intelligence field here at uh, University of Texas Dallas. Okay. And there I had a huge community and a lot of uh, professors and uh, colleagues who had helped me and mentored me in uh, improving my existing skills on the data science field 
Uh, and uh, during that tenure at uh, UT Dallas, I was also doing uh, part-time works on the performance laboratory uh, at UT Dallas on the data analytics field where we were certifying some of the uh, TL9 of some networking bodies, network certification bodies. Later on, I also joined uh, Reliance Geo okay, uh, okay. for my internship as a full-time uh, where Primarily, that was the time frame when Reliance Geo was exploding and offering pretty good deals for our customers. This was yeah. 2016, uh, late 2016 time. So that okay. was the time when Pokemon Go was pretty popular. And, uh, I remember. Geo, <laughs> it was big. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and Geo was offering pretty good deals for the consumers. So, so the data was pretty exploding back then while I was there and I was doing bunch of analytics using open source tools like H2O, for instance, to understand what are some of applications which are the users consume and how is the product being used, what are, uh, and some customer churn analytics as well as what I've been doing. So, so it all helped me build to, and it piqued my interest towards the data science field. Uh, and later on, uh, when uh, when I was uh, looking out uh, at the end of graduation time, Teradata also had a fee, uh, also had been working on building this kind of scalable platform, which we talked about before. Okay, so, okay. So, so I thought that was the path for me to go forward. So, so that's how I landed here. <laughs> All right. So it sounds mm-hmm. like, you know, everything that you have put in place led you to be here. Yeah. It's very, very cool. One step at a time. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I keep hearing this one step at a time with all millennials. So how oh. different is it to be a millennial? I, I'm sure you're interacting with a lot of people from our generation, right? Who have mm-hmm. been veterans in this industry. How mm-hmm. I know that mindset is very different, right? How, yeah, yeah. how different, what, what is the difference that from your perspective that you see? Yeah, I, I would definitely feel the next generation of technologists would definitely require a level of emotional intelligence. There was also a book I have, uh, I have uh, read before about uh, emotional intelligence before, uh, where it tells about uh, the, the emotional, to, uh, emotional intelligence, to, I guess it's a book by Gene Greaves. Uh, mm-hmm. So it okay. talks about the next, the it's not about only building up technologies, but why do you want to build it? This kind of visionary stuff is uh, something I feel would definitely be required for millennials like us from the baby boomers and the next uh, and our previous generation uh, acolytes. So, okay. and uh, as a millennial, our, our vision also is finite, like saying, hey, this is a product we want to deliver. You can mm-hmm. do your architecturing and developing and stuff on the module which was assigned to you. but but this, there are various other modules which are uh, mentors and uh, our senior leaders would have these visions, right? Where their mm-hmm. visions are infinite, where they would be having a holistic uh, view about the vision of the company and the various products which would be present under their umbrella. So, okay. so what I'm learning from these senior leaders basically is trying to understand uh, why we want to build this product. So the, I feel that's the key to going up the ladder or having a good transition in the (laughs) career or where you want to be. Working with uh, my leaders helps me understand question more about why you want to do this 
and mm-hmm. and then you go about how you want to do this and so on and so forth so this okay. kind of and obviously our previous generation would have definitely traveled the path which we are about to cross right now so right. obviously having a helping hand by our seniors definitely helps us in thriving towards where we want to be nice very mm-hmm. nicely put you covered emotional intelligence that uh, dan goldman had talked about and as well as the next generation of it and was speaking about how to you um, starting with why i'm sure you are familiar with the simon senex's uh, book on start with why starting with why is extremely powerful very well put uh, are you also, you also have you seen the read the book deep work from uh, Na- cal newport um, he keeps talking about how millennials okay. are actually having deep working culture mm-hmm. creates productivity increase a lot and he talks about very uh, quite a few millennials and he actually gives very crisp and clear examples about use he marries the emotional intelligence part of it to the professional work outcome so it's just not managing yourself but also managing work by as okay. an outcome of it okay. i'll right. probably add that to my list <laughs> <laughs> definitely uh, you spoke about multiplicative curve right where mm-hmm. we learn from others product and come from there so twisting the same question to you based on your uh, life journey and challenges that uh, you look at yourself right what are mm-hmm. those few things that you want to tell folk who either want to get started in the ai world or who are students who want to get here either uh, somebody who is in software professional who want to be part of the ai or students who are wondering what next that's a great question so always i feel if you want to get into a, a particular path or a particular field it would always be good to work or have a community around you who have already made the path basically having a network of people who had already transitioned to the path so books mm-hmm. and the coursera courses and edx courses are one way but i would always feel probably the best way to get started right away is probably attend some local meetups or probably some meetings on the on the field which you want to get to there okay. will definitely be some meetups or some uh, support groups which would be available while they are working on these kinds of uh, business problems or the technologies which you feel you want to learn potentially in the future that okay. way and uh, that way it would help you at least get started on the process quickly and uh, i have also been part of few uh, big data science meetups when i was about to get into this uh, machine learning infrastructure business for being okay. better at what i do so when i had a particular uh, use case or when i had to learn about a particular tool i just got mm-hmm. a, uh, i i had a very basic understanding of the tool but after i went to the meetup and hooked up with some of the technologists and some of the speakers who are giving presentations on the product i want to learn it actually helped me increase the pace at which i want to learn that product the reason is and they would also recommend you on some of the the sites and the links which you want to use if you want to get started quickly so that way okay. you would be able to accelerate the pace at which you want to get to and it also uh, gives you a point of contact of whom you want to reach out to in case okay. you want you know learn about a particular field so i feel okay. that would be one of uh, pretty good ways to you know get started on something you want to do or be what is saying is apart from getting oneself educated in the using various moocs available talking to 
real life people understanding the business problems they are solving and yeah. attending those meetups help you create fluency in the mm-hmm. language that we're talking about then yeah, you're yeah. Right, one step closer to the customer problem right the domain exactly. part of it is essential yeah, yeah. you will only get so far very very nice mm-hmm. very nicely put there uh, what are your passions outside of work we keep talking hearing about this gig economy right where a mm-hmm. lot of people do a lot of things part time uh, mm-hmm. do you do, what do you do outside of work okay so i have spoke a lot about conferences before gayatri so that is something <laughs> i do a lot part time apart from this i also believe in uh, giving something back to the community and uh, also uh, you know communicating it in a better fashion while i was ut dallas as well i was collaborating with their outreach program to teach programming to some of the high school kids who are on the neighboring communities so just working with so it requires a lot of patience to teach high school kids so it helped <laughs> me develop some patience as well as uh, improve a bit of my communication skill but yeah so this kind of helping our high school kids about learning how to solve problems is one stuff i do apart from this uh, i'm also I'm, i'm also passionate about chess i've been playing that for like 15 plus years so so right. i'm part of a club which is present here uh, there is a chess club austin chess club or something uh, i'll go on a weekly basis just to play with spar with some of the competitive chess players and also help them to understand the nooks and corners of a particular question so on and so forth so these okay. are some other uh, activities i do after work <laughs> all right all right chess is also something that uh, amazes me all the time it's so many strategies that uh, creates it and also it, it kind of engages the left brain and right brain in a Absolutely. good very very nicely uh, nice way perfect yeah. we spoke about uh, how you got started in teradata and the what changes that teams can uh, members can do when mm-hmm. they want to get started in the ai journey so mm-hmm. uh, are there any specific story that you want to leave our listeners with any the particular implementation that you had done in the recent times using aiml that really moved you in terms of giving that purpose yeah uh, absolutely i would always believe the stories actually start from the customer point of view uh, if you're going to solve a particular problem so it's always about empathy for our customers right speaking about empathy for our customers well, i was working with one of the banking customers before while well, 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 i was with teradata and the banking customers had a particular use case where you have these bunch of check images right how do you basically capture pictures of your check image all the customers want to do is basically they just want to capture the photos of the check images mm-hmm. the banking industry basically had a person at the back end who was basically verifying all the characters you have in the check images so okay. that once it gets into the system the values are accurate or not so there is a basically an operational cost which is incurred at the banking industries okay for verifying these characters which are present in check images so how do you eliminate that operational expense so how can you use machine learning and ai to solve that problem and mm-hmm. okay. uh, is there a platform which would be able to handle bunch of uh, images which is being sent to the customers 
So that was the problem we were trying to solve while I was at Teradata. And the way how I went about is we built up a scalable machine learning platform with uh, TensorFlow as one of the engines which we can use for using its uh, deep learning capabilities to recognize the actual check image. And okay. also, apart from this, we had to do various uh, pre-processing steps to extract the characters on the check image accurately, right? So that our okay. TensorFlow model can recognize it. So okay. there were a bunch of tools which was in silos. So OpenCV was one of the tools where it was doing the pre-processing stuff. And then uh, we had, uh, we needed some object stores to capture these images. And we need machine learning uh, packages to recognize these extracted uh, images. And then we need to do some auto correction. If you consider okay. Gayatri, for instance, if you mm -hmm. consider TRI at the end, the I part, if you join them together, it becomes like an L, right? How do, and there is a lot of chance while you're dealing with handwriting characters, handwritten characters, these kinds of issues pop up. You need to address various other of these intricacies at the end to extract them accurately. So okay. integrating all of these components in silos was a challenge before. So okay. I had went ahead and architecture these components so that you can put them all together in one single place, that team, obviously. So, so that once we give this particular product to our end users, they don't have to put them all together and uh, in together as a piece. We have okay. them, we just provided them an API, which they could use where they could just simply capture images out of their mobile application and they could send it to us and we'll extract them and give it back to the user. So it basically eliminated the operational cost for our banking customers. And the way how we solved it is obviously built up a machine learning infrastructure with the TensorFlow as one of the engines, analytic engines. And okay, okay. Solved it, yeah. I remember some stories where uh, some of the uh, back, uh, back office team, uh, teams in India used to do a lot of these things. They used to get mm -hmm. an image, uh, they used to do all these processing, reconciliation mm -hmm. of it and all of mm -hmm. that. So I almost feel that, you know, some of those things, the entire system, this scalable ML system will mimic in some shape or form, create that intelligence, um, bring that intelligence. Well. Great story, Tiago. Thank you so mm -hmm. much. And thanks for being here, um, uh, providing this lightning uh, machine learning 101 conversation. I thoroughly mm -hmm. enjoyed this. Any last thoughts to our listeners, Tiago? So I feel I could think of a bunch of stuff, but one key stuff whenever I feel while building up this product is basically timing the market. Why do you want to build the product now? So what are the existing users? So is there really a necessity for you to invest your time and energy for building this particular product for the market? So understanding okay. the product market fit is something I feel is the key while building any software, for instance. So okay. I believe learning about your existing market and what are the competitors you have and what can you do better than them, if not for your customers. So that I feel is the key while building up any software in the future. Mm -hmm. Excellent. I'm actually having a few more uh, follow-up sessions I feel we should do maybe uh, mm -hmm. some some days down the line. I yeah, would love absolutely. if you can uh, come back uh, on the platform. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for your time, uh, Tiago. And I hope uh, you have a great day ahead and stay safe. Yeah, absolutely. Stay safe and thanks for providing this opportunity, Aki. It was my pleasure.
We thank Siddharth for the music and Malavika for promoting the software people stories. If you like this episode, please subscribe on your favorite podcast client and spread the word in your network. If you'd like to share your story, contact us at podcast at pm-powerconsulting.com.